We're in this series called Culture Code. And um, today I want to talk to you from the subject culture creation. Culture creation. It, it, takes, um, it takes effort with intent to build a culture where the kingdom can reside. And I remember when, um, if you can remember, some of you back in 2006, when we shared with you that we wanted to uh, buy this building, that the intent was for us to build a culture where everyone could find the kingdom. And um, we're learning over the years the effort, <laughs> the, the effort and the opportunities to do such. And today I want to revisit some of the things I said then, but I want to give it a today sort of twist. I want to read to you first some really interesting information, and you can look this up for yourself. But this is some information that comes from, uh, his name is Kerry Neuenwolf. And I'm like, what country is he from? But um, here's what he said about church culture. He said, every church has a culture. Every church you visit has a culture. Yours does and mine does. If the culture is healthy, amazing, thing, amazing things happen. People love being there. People grow. Great leaders come and stay. Your church becomes attractive to the community and more fully accomplishes its mission. But sadly, for many churches, the culture is not healthy. Culture is invisible, but it's determinative. You can't see it, but it defines so much. A bad culture will consistently undermine an amazing mission, vision, and strategy. As Peter Drucker is quoted as saying, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Say it. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Think about it for a second, he says. Culture is the reason you love shopping in some stores and despise shopping in others. It's why you love some airlines and pass on others, God knows. It's why some families always have fun when they come together and other families can't stand to be in the same room. It's a culture that's being built and you feel it when you come into it, especially if, you've not, if it's your first time coming to it. If you've been in that culture for a while, then you know what's going to happen when you get there. Right? So the question he says, the real question is, how do you create an amazing culture? It has to be intentional. Sam Chan says these words. Sam Chan says, from the leadership standpoint, he says, culture determines the receptivity of staff and volunteers to new ideas. It releases or dampens creativity. Culture builds or erodes enthusiasm and creates a sense of pride or discouragement about being involved with the church, no matter how good the strategy, without an enabling culture and systems, it will fail. There comes a day, if you want to build a culture bigger than you have in your family, you're going to have to add some systems and not always depend on the anointing to make things happen. If you want your business to grow, you have to... You have to also say God will provide, but you also need an accountability uh, system. You need to know where your pennies are going and where they're coming from. If you don't do your numbers, Warren Buffett said, I won't talk to you. Okay? Culture determines how people respond to vision and leadership. Where trust and respect are present, people tend to think. They tend to create. They tend to work together and accomplish great goals. When there is a disconnect between leader, the leader's vision and the receptivity of staff and volunteers, it is not a, it's not a vision problem, it's a culture problem. Spend at least as much time working on creating a positive culture as you do casting vision. And positive, a positive culture will act as an accelerant for your vision. So today in this, in this series... I simply want to talk about culture. Culture is the totality of what people say, how they dress, 
their music, their attitudes, their literation, the words they use. So when we walk into a church, and sometimes I even I walk into churches and they use words I don't understand. So it takes me a few minutes to even understand how they think when I get there. Sometimes it takes me an entire weekend when I'm speaking at churches to understand their culture code. But if I can tap into, if I can tap into not their vision of what they think or what they believe, but if I can tap into how it feels to them, how they see what they're doing, now I can properly talk to them or fit in. We at Ambassadors Worship Center have to understand at one day or another, and I just chose three years ago that that time was now. We've been in this process for over three years. That the time was now for us to understand what's happening in our culture outside. See, when I was born, when I was born, 80% of the people in America went to church because the values in the world match the values in church. The values in the world no longer match the values in church. So people right now, if we can be honest, you really have to give them a reason to come to church. And when you add this, so I can go to church anytime, anywhere, the sound coming from the sound coming from some churches in America and around the world, I can hear it better over my phone than I can sitting in a building. So they're predicting that by the year 2020, that 15 to 20% of Americans will be coming to church. That is a drastic change from 1980. So if we don't understand culture and simply say, God said, do something, people aren't listening to God said anymore. They are feeling, they are thinking for themselves. So the church is morphing, we must, the church, the world is morphing and we must morph with the church. If, if you're not catching fish here, you're going to have to change the way you catch fish. That's what I learned two weeks ago. If you want to eat, you have to, well, I use, I'm telling you, I use worms. Uh, uh, worms aren't going to work out here, Martin. You're in the open ocean. <laughs> the guy told me, he says, I'm like, why do you use shrimp? He said, what do you usually use? I said, well, my daddy taught me when I was eight to use worms. He said, well, as soon as you drop a worm in the salt water, it dies. You're going to have to change the way you fish. If you want to catch fish, if you're simply interested in being religious and beating people over the head and telling them why they should be a part of church, that will no longer work. Well, you're giving up up the holiness of God. God, the holiness of God is not found in how much makeup you wear, whether you wear pants or whether you wear jewelry. That ain't no holiness of God. That's that's not where it is. The the holiness of God is is, is, what we can build these systems, and before we know it, we built a culture that less and less people can fit into. When people want to go swimming, do they pick for their first swim a jump off of Niagara Falls? Why not? When, when families are ready to go swimming, why don't they say, hey, guys, we're going swimming. Get in the car. We're going to Niagara Falls, and we're jumping off. Why don't they do that? It's dangerous to do that. That's why. They don't do it. They don't do it every day. So what do they do? They go to the beach where you can wade your way in <laughs> slowly, calm waters, to get people to change their culture overnight. It's almost impossible. So we have to rethink culture. We have to rethink where people are. And we need to make the changes. I'm going back fishing again. I'm going again. I'm going again. I'm going again. And I'm going to prepare myself for the way they fish in the ocean. Maybe it's time for us to go fishing for fish that could eat us. You're on the side of the pond, and you're catching crappie and bass. They're cute. What happens when you get an eight-foot shark on your line? (laughs) Forget an eight-foot shark. How about a 40-pound drum red in the ocean? You're going to fight. You're going to fight for 
30 to 45 minutes just to get that fish in the boat. It's a different type of world we're living in. Was that too much? So we have to be careful of our culture. But here's a scripture. Here's a scripture I want us to understand today. Psalm 84, Psalm 84, 3 through 4. Very important scripture because it's the hope of God for us. And this is why we are building the culture we're building. Because the city of Omaha and its precious people, our great nation, and the nations around the world deserve to hear what the kingdom is like. This is what it says. Even the sparrow has found a home. The swallow, a nest for herself, where she can do what? She can lay her young. This is an allegory, an analogy of what the kingdom could be like. Everyone needs to find a place to call their home so they can grow their families, grow their ideas, grow their anointing, grow their calling, grow their identity in Christ, be accepted for who they are and who God's called them to be and not put them in a mold that we can make for people. I know I have done it for a long time. But we can't make molds for people. We have to allow people to be who they are in God and give them an environment and a culture in which they can become that. And celebrate them when they come, no matter how they come. Celebrate them as they're in the midst of changing and also celebrate with them once they change. Then it describes it. It says, even now, we're talking about a nest. We're talking about a place for people to build their families and build their lives. But then the comparison is this. Even your altars, he says, your altars are the place. O Lord of hosts, my king and my God. He says, the place where people should build, go to the next verse. The place where people should really build their lives, blessed are those who dwell in your house. It's the house of God that is the safe place to nest. It's the safe place to build your family, the safe place to build your hopes and your dreams. It's the right place to suffer. It's the right place to go through trial. It's the right place to go through tribulation. It's the right place to sin and come back to church. You know it's your church when you can struggle and still come to church. (laughs) Hallelujah. That when you are going through something, and that's why over the years... Linnell and I have been very transparent about our struggles. So that during our times of struggle, you understand we're coming to the house of God. We may, there were times we weren't even in shape to preach. But we sat in the purple chair and listened to other people preach. Because this is the only place we can build our family. Am I making sense at all? So I'm going to read a scripture to you, but I want you to get the practicalities of it first. Because some people don't read the Bible all the time. So let me give you the practicality of what I'm getting ready to read to you. And I'm going to read to you from, from, Matthew, from, Matthew 31, from Matthew 13, 31 through 33 about. Matthew 13. It's my favorite scripture. It's the scripture I read as a little boy. I've never understood it, and I still don't understand it now. So I study it once a week. <laughs> this same scripture. I'm trying to figure it out. Right? But here's the practicality of this scripture. The practicality of this scripture is that When I respond to something I hear from God, when I respond to something I hear from God, I am literally creating an atmosphere in my life and in my mind. I'm creating an atmosphere. Atmospheres are weak. They go and they come. One day, one day it's raining and it's 60 degrees in Omaha. The next week, the temperature is set on hell. It's like, what happened? Okay. It's set on 100 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. Humid, no air is moving. This city, bless God, (laughs) praise the name of Jesus. This city can make a 110-degree swing in six months. 110 degrees. It can be 10 below. And then 100 degrees in just a few months. Hallelujah to Omaha, Nebraska. Praise God. So, so, but when I respond to something I hear spiritually, I create an atmosphere. How? If, if I hear from God, Martin, I want you to save a dime out of every dollar. It's just an atmosphere. I just heard it. That's all it is. If I decide I'm going to raise a family, and now in my family, I'm going to set my family on course with God. I've heard. So now it's just an atmosphere. It's not stable. But if I can sustain the atmosphere... 
If I can keep that atmosphere for just a little while, I'm now creating a climate. Climates are more stable. They're more, we sort of know what we used to know. We, we sort of used to know when spring was. <laughs> we sort of we sorta used to know when spring was. But if, but if I can sustain that voice I heard from God, if I can sustain that atmosphere, that atmosphere sustained creates a climate. And if I can keep that climate long enough, that climate becomes a stronghold. It's harder to break. It's harder to change. If I've been giving a dime and saving a dime for two months, I can easily break that assignment and I can, I can, start, I can keep saving my dime, but I, the, time, the dime I was tithing, I can spend that on rent. And it's not going to bother me much. But if I've been doing it a year, two years, three years, in our case, my wife and I, since we were 10 and 12 each. So for over 42, for over, shoot. So for order, over, for, how old am I? So yeah, so yeah, I started at 10. So yeah, for 46 years, I've been tithing. So to get me to tithe, to get me to spend that tithe on tires for my car or my aunt's apartment, I would die. I mean, I would be like, ah, I would fall over just because I'm a stronghold now. It's, it, it would be a stronghold for me that my children were young and I needed to pay for their college. I didn't want to depend on anybody. I wanted to do it myself. So to take that other dime and not save it for their school, I would rather die. There were days we didn't eat because I said, we got to save this 10 bucks for your school. If I can do that for a long time, I become a culture. It's natural. And everybody that walks into a relationship. Sometimes, can I preach for about two seconds? Sometimes people are not rejecting you because of what you think they're rejecting you for. They're rejecting you because when they come around you, they feel your culture. And they don't want to have anything to do with discipline. They don't want to have anything to do with telling the truth. They don't want to have anything to do with integrity. And when they feel that coming from you, they say, I don't like you. They can't even explain it. But have you ever walked in a room and you know somebody just got done fussing? You walk in there and they say, hey, to you. And you be like, ooh. Are y'all all right? Oh, yeah, we's happy. <laughs> they are not happy. They just got through fussing, discussing, and cussing. They are not happy. You feel it. I walk in the room with some people, and I am intimidated, not because they're big or rich or whatever, and I can feel their culture, and I know instantly this person's not going to be playing games with me. And I can decide at that moment. Am I going to let that culture influence me and make me better? Or am I going to walk out of that culture and just stay who I am? I have a decision to make. So if I can sustain it, it becomes a culture itself. Now, here's the important part. This is the last part of the scripture, so when I read it, you'll get it. Once I am a culture, I can stop asking God slash universe slash all created things for anything. I don't have to ask for anything anymore because once I become a culture, whatever it is, is attracted to me. Once I get control over a dime, dollars look for me. For those who don't have control over a dime, money runs from you. It don't matter how much you pray, no matter how many scriptures you you read, it's going to run away from you. Love is going to run away from you if you don't know how to treat the people around you in love. It attracts what it has built the culture for. Our church will only attract what we build the... We can't attract anything except you don't attract what you love. You don't attract what you're attracted to. You only attract what's attracted to you. And you can only attract to you what you are. You can't attract something to you that you're not. So I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking to myself. 
So I just have to say, Martin, everything in your life, you attracted. You can say amen, it's me, I'm not talking about you. Say it, yes you did, pastor, you did it yourself. Y'all scared to say it because you know what you're saying. (laughs) I get it. I attracted it myself. Is it okay we talk a little kingdom in here? This, This is grace, this is love and grace. I don't feel no love today from pastor. Listen, let me tell you something. I played played high school and college sports. Let me tell you what they do at halftime. And church doesn't understand this. We keep talking about at the end, God's going to give us a reward. At the end, you know, we're going to get to go to heaven. God's going to give us a reward. We're going to wear our crowns. You know what they do at halftime in sports? What do they do? Talk to me. What do they do in the, in the locker room? What does the coach do? Look, you got to fix this. <coughs> you got to fix this. Why? Why aren't you shooting the ball? Did I not tell you to pitch? What is happening over here? Those coaches walk out in softball, baseball. I love softball and baseball. They walk out so calmly. And they're just kind of talking and laughing. But they're saying stuff like, I'm sitting you out. We're going to bring in our closer now. Is that cool with you? Boom. They walk off. Everybody, it's nothing. What they're doing in the middle of the game, before it's over, they correct attitudes and behaviors. Whether you know it or not, you need an environment where someone has permission to say to you, look, when you get to heaven, you're going to get a crown, but you need to fix this now. Well, I don't want nobody in my business. You ain't got no business. Ain't nothing happening in your life. I am. I'm moving on. Okay, so now, so now, let's read the scripture, Matthew 13. You're going to see it. This is a great scripture, Matthew 13, 31 to 33. It's amazing scripture. It is so deep that we don't even understand it yet. But it's amazing. But this is how the kingdom of God works. Another parable he put forth to them saying, listen to what he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, he says, I'm getting ready to tell you how the kingdom of heaven works on earth. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you believe, whatever your faith is, this is how it works. It's like what? It's like a mustard seed. It's like a mustard seed. That what? Which a man put and sowed in his field. Atmosphere. Atmosphere. So it's just a small thing. I heard the kingdom. I'm going to plant it in my field. I'm going to plant this idea in my life, in my heart, in my mind. Now listen to what he says. Which is least of the seeds. Small. But when it's grown, it is greater than the herb. So this mustard seed that is a bush, herb, it's a bush. The DNA is a bush. The DNA of this thing is a bush, but because it's sustained long enough in the ground, the bush becomes a tree. If you sustain things long enough, it becomes it. Once it's a tree, what happens? So that the the same birds we talked about in Psalms, birds of the air come and... In another translation, it says all different types of birds come and nest in its branches. A man came to my house yesterday and uh, doing some landscaping, and he said, you got, some, you got some hostas in the back. They need to come up front. And I'm like, you know, my wife is a designer. She's not here. I don't know what you talk about, so let's leave it the way it is. He knocked on the door again. He says, these hostels, these, ho- these hostels they put in your front yard, they're not made for full sunlight, I'm telling you. But you got some in the back. You're paying me anyway. Just let me move those from the back to here. He says, you don't have to get your hands dirty. And I'm like, dude, I, you, know, I, you know, okay. I, I, I can tell her here it was your fault if it don't look right. <laughs> he moves them, then he knocks on the door again. He says, now, his words to me. He said, now, the hostel we, we transplanted, he said, they can't, they can't grow up and down at the same time. He says, they're in transition. 
in the hottest part of the year. You feel it now. You understand what I'm saying? He says, so what we did, what you see in the trash, because I was trying to figure it out. I'm like, did he throw my hosta away? The man done dug him up, and now he threw him away. Were they no good? Did he test the DNA, send him out to the FBI lab? What is the, dis- what's the, what's the deal? He says, what you see in the garbage is the stuff I trimmed away. I trimmed them to the ground. He said, these hosta need a chance to transition from where they were, the environment they were in, to where they are now. We will not confuse them. And he said, don't you be confused. I lopped them off, and you'll see in a few weeks they're going to grow back beautiful. They're going to be powerful. Because if we try to make this church grow up before we allow it to grow down, (laughs) if we do that, it will become confused. It's too much at one time in this heat. Can I tell you something? You cannot look at your life right now and say, where's my fruit? Where's my leaves? Perhaps you're like the hosta. God has transplanted you. You used to be a bush. Now he's making you a tree. In that time when you're twisting DNA, you're twisting nature because bushes never become trees. But God could have you and your family in a place where you're like, everything's gone. He lopped us off. We've been pruned. God won't send me nowhere to preach. I can't make no money. Nobody likes my song. I didn't get one like on Instagram. It's because God may have put you from one place to another to turn you, to turn you into a tree from where you're headed. You got to look at your life and say, I'm okay. Where, where am I? God, if you, are, if you are pruning me so that I can grow. If you are dealing with my personal culture so I can be rich. If you let the... See, sometimes God will allow the lawnmower, the washing machine, a freak accident, and your child breaking their leg happen all in the same month. Because you've been trying to figure money out all the time. So God puts you in a situation where you can't trust money no more. You got an accounts receivable for $10,000. You need that money so you can buy some more material and get it out. But this joker fool, I mean not fool, this, this fella over here won't pay you. So now you don't have your accounts receivable. You don't have that money to do this. So God will say, forget them. Let me show you how to grow your business without depending on nobody being in your accounts receivable. It's not that God hates you. He's trying to turn you into something. And when he's going to turn you into something, you may have been a plant in my backyard, underneath the balcony, underneath the deck, but you belong in the sun. Okay, okay, all right, all right. You, 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 you may be this plant, uh-uh, not coming down there. This plant in the back of my house, underneath the deck. He said, that plant belongs up there, and them plants belong back here. I said, I paid $10,000 for the professionals to put these plants up here. He said, they're not professionals. They're just taking your money. He said, I'm going to tell you what this plant really means. He said, it's going to take some time for this plant to acclimate itself to where it's going. If you are back in the shade all your life, Things have been easy for you all your life. You've been, you've been going through life like an 80s skating party. You skating backwards. You doing twirly twirly. <laughs> I could never skate. So I used to love to go. They'd be doing all that stuff. They'd be turning around. Millie could do it. I'm like, Lord have mercy, that would be nice. They put me on roller skates. I had to go to the doctor the next day. I don't do church skating parties. But if, but if you've been skating to Michael Jackson's Beat It, the eight-minute version, all your life, and now you're in a situation where you don't feel like skating, you don't want to hear no music, You are wiped out. You don't want to hear nobody encourage you. You want to hear nothing about no dream. It's because God could have transplanted you out of the obscure, out of the hidden places 
into the limelight. Stuff is different when you get the raise, I'm telling you. And for some who are called to be leaders, you need to be in an atmosphere where that pressure is there. Did I, understand, did I explain that scripture? That's why I did it before, because I love that one. Now watch this one now. We have atmospheres of anger. Atmospheres of fear. Atmospheres of discouragement. Atmospheres of encouragement. Why do you spend so, money, so much money in the mall on Christmas time? You don't even know why. Do you know why? You don't know why. It's because they have built a culture for you to spend your money. When you go to the mall at Christmas time, do you hear bringing in the sheaves? Do you hear any songs like, all my exes live in Texas? Do you? No, you want to hear, you want to hear, uh, uh, you want to hear, <laughs> I can't say that one. <laughs> you want to hear Santa Claus comes to the ghetto. <laughs> you want to hear White Christmas. The weather outside is frightful. You, you, want, you want to hear those kind of stuff. So they play them for you. And they're going to talk you into your salary. You're, you're going to spend your salary of four months on Christmas. You're not going to catch up to May. But you do it gladly. Because there's a culture for us to get your money. People are done going to cultures where they know they're not loved. I'm not talking about by me. I'm an indifferent guy. So you can't interpret love for me. Pastor didn't love me. I do with all my heart. But I'm just different. That's why you're going to need different type of leadership where you're going. I'm just different. Because if I love you, this is what I'm going to do. What you doing? If I don't love you, I ain't going to say nothing. Hey, how you doing? God bless you. But if I love you, I'm going to be like, why are you doing that? What is wrong with you? <laughs> you can do better than that. There's something in your heart. What's the dream? Well, pastor didn't love me. Oh, if that's how you interpret love, then when you talk to me, I'm going to be challenging. All Are there three people in this room just say, yeah, pastor? I fought that in the culture. In the culture? It's like my pastor done lost his mind. No. I see you for who you don't see. And I know it's in you. So I'm going to be, I call it encouraging. I'm going to be encouraging all the time. Why are you doing that? Aren't you tired of that? Let's do something else. Well, I can't. Stop telling people you can't. Clavicle massages. That's what I love to give. <laughs> Wake up, Sonny. <laughs> Did you just hit me? No, that was a massage. That, that, that is the clinical definition. So, how do we build? How? How? How do we intentionally build a culture that more people can fit into? How do we do it? You're going to be seeing signs like this all over the building. Colors are changing. The app changes things. Policies, procedures, how we do what we do change because we have to get ahead of 2020 we have to be ready for what's coming if we don't get ready well just ask blockbuster <laughs> do, do y'all do y'all know this I, I read a lot of business stuff because i do business do you know that Netflix came to Blockbuster and said, we believe we're next, but we believe you're now. Can we do this together? Blockbuster said, ain't nobody, ain't nobody going to download no movies on their phone. And watch them on their TV? Never going to happen. 
Blockbuster.com is blockbuster.gone. It refused to change. If Michelle over there brought me in her office to give me a 1980s treatment and dentistry, if I walked in there and did not see a culture that fit where we are today, I would walk out. I would not let her knock me out on the table and work on my mouth. If somebody's coming to, someone's coming to my house, which I thought was happening yesterday, somebody coming to my house to move 15 uh, yards of mulch, and they got five-gallon buckets to do it with? <laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, are you planning to move all that with the bucket? Oh, no. We, we have a couple wheelbarrows. I was like, okay, excuse my ignorance. But I know if you plan to do that, my hours are going to add up quick. We do it by doing a few things. We do it by intentionally gathering. We do it by giving. We do it by praying and interceding. You with me? We build a culture by loving and forgiving one another. There are just some things about me you're never going to like. And there are some things about you I'm never going to like but I can love everything about you. Don't have to hang out with you. But we need to love and forgive one another. We need to unite. We need to become one with intent. It's for a reason. We need to understand how ministry mantles work. We need to understand how churches work. We need to understand authority. And lastly, we need to worship together. So let me deal with gathering first. I got just a couple minutes. We have to gather. Gathering brings people of the same heart and the same mind into one place. When we come together in this place, we're collecting our power, we're collecting our resources, and in one place we become a symbol of unity because we've gathered. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider one another. This is what I was saying. Let us consider... Put that up and let's read it together. Read it. Let's read it together. Let us consider one another in order to do what? See, I can't stir you up on Facebook. You can't stir me up on Instagram. You can't reach me on YouTube. So some of us have to come together and say, how are you doing? You're bigger than that. You're an amazing individual. How can we help you live better? That's why we come together. Because we're considering one another to do what? Stir up. Do y'all, all y'all come from cultures that stir? I mean, for real. Okay, let me tell you where I'm from, because I know y'all get tired of hearing it, but I want to talk to you about stirring. When we're really cooking in Mississippi, Louisiana, we don't cook inside. We cook outside in pots. So if you got 50 pounds of crawfish and 10 pounds of potatoes and onions and sausage, you can't cook that in the house. You cook it outside in a pot. We don't stir them pots with spoons. We use boat paddles. <laughs> Why do we stir it? Because you got to get all that stuff you got to keep it moving. <laughs> if you let it stay in the pot on the fire, it scorches, it burns. So you got to keep it moving. This ain't no... It's a paddle. It's a... Mm. When we see it swirling one way, it done got used to itself. We turn the direction. And everybody ain't interested in being stirred up. It took me 25 years to find that out about Omaha. Some Christians just want you to leave them the heck alone. You see that swirl? It get that sort of tornado and cyclone in the middle? 
you know then some stuff is settling. So you stir the other way. And once you start going the other way, it sort of sloshes a little bit. Somebody scream, stir me up, God. Come on, tell him, stir me up, God. There are some bigger things for me, and I want you to stir me up. I want you to agitate me. I want you to do some things in my life that make me move. I'm not afraid of trouble. I'm not afraid of agitation. I'm not afraid of being tired. I'm not afraid of being up against the wall. I'm not afraid of being not able to breathe sometimes. Stir me up. Okay, what I say? Gathering, number two. Hallelujah. It's going to be fine, Josh. I can do this. He's he like, I'm, I'm, he's going to be my boss in a couple years. That's all right. Right now. <laughs> giving. 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 When I give, I'm, people say, I'm tired of volunteering. Like, who? What, what? Volunteering is what you do at the open door mission. You, you, do, you do that at the library. I got a doctorate. I know how to talk. I just, you do that. You do that at Special Olympics. In our kingdom, you serve. When I give my 40% a year, I'm getting ready for 90% to give. But when I give my 40 to 45% a year, I'm serving. I am proving that wealth doesn't come from that system out there. I'm proving that wealth comes from God. When I give, I break the curse in my life. I break the curse according to the scripture. I break the curse for 10 generations. My great-grandchildren, my great-grandchildren might wake up one day in the bed, ain't going to church nowhere, just got my picture up on the mantle, and one day they're going to hear me talking from the picture in the mantle. (laughs) Get your rusty tail up, find you a church, get in that church. Well, ain't nobody going to church. I'm going to talk back to them. I said, get up out of that bed, your rusty tail. Get yourself to a church, go to that pastor, and say, where do you want me to serve? Who can I serve? Because if you want to be rich, that's how you get there. Giving destroys greed. And if you say you're from God, your nature is giving, because that's all he did. He gave his son. I'm saved, but I don't give. You need to check if you bought that salvation at Sears and Roebuck. Where did you get that one? Well, my last church taught us we didn't have to. I ain't asking you what your church taught. I'm asking you what this book say. Okay, three. Fussing now, ain't I? We build the culture by praying. Praying together. Intercession undermines what the enemy wants for us. If you haven't, if you've taught your children to do everything else as a family except pray, y'all can do everything else together, but y'all don't ever pray together? You're building monsters in your house. Dad, why do we have to pray all the time? Oh, Well, I'll accept that question about three times. We pray because it builds something. Now, the fourth time as a child you ask me that, I say these words. You don't have to pray. We're going to pray. You don't have to pray. Now, he grunting because he knows what it means. Because as soon as you decide you don't want to pray, you're going to have to go live with Leon. You can't can't stay in my house. I ain't ask her. I ain't ask ask the children. You don't want to pray? You don't want to seek God? Let me tell you about your great-grandmama, boy. Let me tell you where we came from. When we had nothing, all we had was prayer. 
Now you want us to abandon what brought us up, how I got over? Prayer. Prayer. Seeking God. Being in God's face. Saying to God in all night prayer meetings sometimes, God, you're the only help we know. We don't know how to do this. We don't know where we're going. Everything seems to be coming against us. But God, we stand before you. Teach your children to walk around the house. At two years old, Josh be walking around the house. We didn't even say, know what he was saying. He said, whatever it is, boy, just keep doing that. <laughs> when, when you can't start praying when something happens to your mama. You can't start praying when you lose your job. You can't start praying when everything goes amok in your marriage. You got to step into your trouble. Oh, that's what's up. I was doing it then. I'm going to do it now. When I had money in my pocket, I was praying in the Holy Ghost. Now that I have none, I'm chill. Don't make me no difference. Whatever comes and whatever goes. So when your children are in trouble, Kylan, you're going to start telling them, let me tell you what grandma did. Let me tell you what my great-grandmama did when we were in trouble. They taught us how to get on our knees before God. I know it ain't popular, but there are about 120 of y'all that know what I'm talking about. Get on your face before God and say, God, Father, I come to thee. No other help do I know. If you withdraw yourself from me, whether shall I go? I ain't got nowhere to go but you. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I ain't got nowhere else to go. Sometimes I go to people and they're struggling just like me. I'm going to intercede. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Sit down now. Sit, sit, sit. Okay. Okay. When we pray together, when we pray together, we tie up demonic strongholds. We got to love and forgive one another. I say love. Agape. Agape, not like. Love. The rule isn't I got to like you. Because I don't really like you. You don't really like me. Am I? The rule is love. Accept you as a child of God. And wherever you are, God knows where you are. And God's taking you from where you are to where he wants you to be. Yes. Love. I put, when I love you, I make what's happening to you God's business. Yes. My business is to just encourage you. Be a friend. Don't judge you. How many times do I listen? And this is where I come unglued most of the time. It... it, it when a Christian gets mad at his brother because his brother is doing something wrong, I can't stand it. So what I usually do when they come to me, I want to tell you about him, Pastor, because he's, he's really doing some stuff. I, I, I don't like that. Because I'm like, why are you bringing that to me? Y'all should have never had to bring that to me. The only reason y'all bringing that to me is because you forgot the crap you went through. If you would just remember what happened to you, you would have healed your brother on the spot. Don't ever forget what God brought you from. So when you start looking at somebody else, you can be like, come on, man, let's go. You mean I can just walk with you? Yeah, somebody walk with me. I used to invite my friends to church a lot, and when, the, when my, my, my friends who were girls would walk in from other churches, they would cover them up with sheets because their dresses were too short. So if they sat down, you know, so the men need to be saved. Don't worry about the women. Anyway, the, uh, but I got one of my friends really came to the Lord and got saved. I mean, love God. She got saved. And in our little church, when my other friends would come with short dresses on and they would put skirts and Sheets around them. My friend would walk up and take it away and just hug them. And they would teach her, you can't do that, sweetheart. She said, why can't I do that, sweetheart? <laughs> 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 
she would just love them the way they came in. If they're in the culture three weeks, they'll take care of their own dresses. If dude is in the culture three weeks, he'll, he'll change if he knows there's love there. Regardless to when and whether he changes in the way you think. Well, if he was baptized in the Holy Ghost, next week he'll come back on fire. No, he's still trying to put out some fires at home. <laughs> oh, I'm there. Okay, here's the most important part of loving and forgiving. You want to know what it is? Protect one another. Protect your brothers and your sisters. Protect them. You know some harm is coming to her, tell her. You know something's getting ready to happen to your brother, warn him. You see some things that's happening, then teach them. Let me show you how to do this. You're about to lose your apartment, no, don't tell anybody else. Let me help you with this. We don't want your reputation marred. Let's get you covered. Let's get you some knowledge. Let me take you to some places that'll help you. If you're dealing with this, don't tell everybody. Let me, let me help you deal with this. Protect your, protect your brothers. Protect your, sis, protect your sisters. My child was at a mall one day and she left her money. She was by herself. She left her money, which she always did. You know, girls... When they got a daddy, they don't carry a lot of money all the time. Okay. They just go places. They pick up stuff, and they go to the counter. And then they go, oh, I left my money. <laughs> Am I right, girls? I married a daddy's girl, so I understand this thing. There was a covenant partner behind her she didn't know in the line of our church who put the cash on the counter for my daughter to buy her stuff. Callie didn't know him, so she said, thank you, why would you do that? I said, never mind, I love you. She came home, she's telling us the testimony, and I'm like, who was it? Now, I don't remember people. So she's describing them, and I'm like, I don't, I don't see them. I can't, who? She, she kept describing the lady, so I didn't know who she was. Pastor Nell walked in the room. She said, Martin, that's such and so. I said, really? I don't know everybody. She knows. Yes. <laughs> Pastor Nell might not be in the club, but she knows somebody in the club. <laughs> okay, so if you're in the club and you're in trouble, just scream out, Pastor Nell, anybody know Pastor Nell? <laughs> Pastor Nell be swiping our credit card. I'm like, what you doing? Well, somebody needed help. I'm like, who? She tried to describe, I don't know who they are. I said, okay. She knows somebody everywhere. They needed a lawyer. They needed, a, they needed some shoes. They needed some, I'm like, Lord did Jesus. <laughs> this person took care of our daughter, didn't tell us in the next service. It took me two weeks to find her and say, thank you for doing that for my daughter. I really appreciate that. She said, oh, pastor, you taught us from the pulpit. I was just doing what you taught us. I said, I really appreciate it. And I tried to give her the money back. She said, see, but if you give me the money back, who's going to take care of my children when I'm not around? You see, you see these babies out in the mall? You see these babies on track fields and in gymnasiums playing sports? You see these babies, on the, you see these babies in our church at the, at the gas station? You see the babies in this church walking across the mall at college. You see the babies in this church at amusement parks. You walk up to our babies and say, I got you. Go ahead and have fun. They're your babies, whether they're black, white, chicken noodle soup, gray, or yellow. We don't let the prejudice out there come up in here. They're all our babies. Over my time by a minute, so let me finish. Unity. Is that my last one? Unity. 
Unity causes the anointing to flow. Unity brings power and synergy to our efforts. It opens the doors for increase. Psalms 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil. That unity starts at the head, it goes down to the floor in power, and it becomes a river. So when we're together, we can do amazing things. We worship. When we worship, we exalt God's name together. This morning was amazing because I was itching to get in here because I like to be in here at about two minutes before service starts. I want to be in here, and I want the praise and worship team to know I'm in here. I want them to see me in here. I want them to feel me in here. Because if they yell at me out here, if, if, if somebody up here says, hallelujah, see, I got a job. I don't like being late for my job. When they say, hallelujah, my job is to do this, well, hallelujah, what you talking about? If they say something to me, I need to say something to them. I am adding fuel to the fire. (laughs) When we worship, we bring God here. When we worship, we bring synergy. When we worship, we bring power of God. Here's my point for the day. Would you make Ambassadors Worship Center your culture of choice for church? No altar call. It's just a question. Would you consider making this house the place where you decide to build church culture? Would you put your nest in our tree? Would you consider, bring me, bring me that tree, Mr. Fidel, the whole thing. Help him. Yeah, that's Fidel. Y'all don't understand what y'all, y'all don't understand what y'all be having up in this church. Sit it right up here. Okay. Do me a favor. Bring me that little thing sitting on the thing right there. Somebody. Bring me both those plants. Both of them. Don't tear them up now. Okay. Watch this. B-O-F. Both of them. Both. No, 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 no. The other big one on the floor. No, no, no. That one's right, Wayne. Yeah, that, that one. Pick up the whole thing. Watch this now. Okay, yeah, right there. You know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. Put that one in the middle. Okay. It's okay. It's all right. It ain't going to be perfect, y'all. Just, just hear what I'm saying. When we started, we were here. Ain't, no, ain't nowhere for nobody to make their life. You know, we gave up our life. Some of us gave all we had. 25 years ago today. We get to celebrate in October. We gave all we had. But God gave us a miracle. We were able to stay together longer than three to five years, which 90% of churches don't make it to three to five. We were a little bitty bush. We became a bigger bush. And that's all we are right now. God's getting ready to change our DNA. Listen listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. People from every tribe and tongue and every condition in life are looking for us. That's why we're hiring six people in two years. That's why we're changing our systems. That's why we're doing everything because our whole DNA is changing. Here, more people can build their nest because the culture is big enough to take squirrels, red birds, blue birds, white birds, black birds. They can live here and not impede upon one another. Other things can grow beneath us because we have shade now. There's not much shade here. This provides shade. A growing places for ideas and businesses and new marriages and raising their children, going to school. We can handle anything as we're becoming that. 
And I'm telling you, AWC, this is who we are in spirit. And this is who we're becoming in the next couple of months. Tree. Tree. A culture big enough for diverse ideas. Not weirdness, not weirdness, but diverse ideas, diverse people, diverse thinking. And I'm asking you, make a decision. And I hope your decision is, Pastor, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of the culture we're building. I want to help. I want to plug in. I'm scared to do it. I don't, need, I don't even know how to do it. That's what I want.